sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. The home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. Let's dive right in. Major League Baseball, one of our focuses here on Tuesday, July 12th. And I know what you're thinking. There's so much Major League Baseball left. We haven't even made it to the All-Star break. But some series, even in the middle of July, can be that ginormous, that impactful for a divisional race among two contenders for the National League East and the National League pennant. One of my roommates is a huge Mets fan. We were discussing the series opener yesterday between the Mets and the Braves, and he told me, let's not overreact. They play each other 12 more times in the second half of this Major League Baseball season. It's correct. 20% of the remaining games for the Mets are against the Braves. But when there was just a game and a half difference between the Mets and the Braves for the top spot in the National League East, with just the second series of the year between these two clubs taking place yesterday in Atlanta, it felt like a big atmosphere with two big arms on the bump, and it certainly delivered. The Mets taking the opener of the series against the Braves 4-1. to one. Max Scherzer on the mound for New York. Max Freed on the bump for Atlanta. It was Scherzer who gets the better of the battle of the Maxes. He was sensational yet again. His second start since returning from the IL, he had not pitched since May 18th before this before last week which is first start against the Reds and then this one yesterday sensational seven innings only one earned on three hits it was an Austin Riley home run against Scherzer in that seventh and final inning of work and he had nine strikeouts going well over his K prop of seven and a half it was plus money to the over yet again Max Fried his first loss since his second start of the year back on April 13th five innings two earned Striking out five Mets, not the worst performance by any means, but it goes in favor of Scherzer and the New York Mets. As we detailed yesterday, New York was booked as a road underdog, even with Scherzer on the mound. Plus 112 on the money line for the Amazons. They cash that plus money ticket. It wasn't just Max Scherzer who was great on the mound yesterday. Edwin Diaz, the closer for New York, has been incredible this year his 19th save yesterday in only 22 opportunities he is striking out two batters per inning he has a k per nine rate around 18 per nine innings it is sensational he struck out the side yesterday in his inning of work to get the save against the braves again the mets winning four to one in the opener of this series pete alonzo two more rbis a major league baseball best 72 for polar bear pete but it was luis guillorme with a huge night at the dish two rbis including his second home run of the year just two home runs for the man known as louis but that already a career best for most dingers hit in a single season for guillorme so now the bets hold a two and a half game advantage in the national league east it was going to be a very interesting exercise to see how much the odds would change based on an individual result in this series between Atlanta and New York. Well, we get a slight 
answer based on last night's game. The Mets win 4-1. to They take a two-and-a-half game lead, moving up from a game-and-a-half entering the series, and they move from a minus-130 favorite to win the National League East to a minus-140 favorite on this Tuesday morning, live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We are live on the morning after. We welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of TMA on this Tuesday, Sirius XM Channel 1. 59 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well i am ben stevens the new york mets take the opener of the second series this year between new york and atlanta and because of that the mets move up as a favorite in the nl east odds board as well minus 130 entering the series opener last night in the a now minus 140 10 cents of movement in their favor 10 cents of movement against the braves plus 110 entering yesterday now plus 120 is that what we are going to see given every game we will see in atlanta between the braves and the mets in this second series of the year between the two clubs might we see based on a result a little bit incremental movement in the national league east odds board because now the mets a two and a half game lead as we enter the second game of this set spencer strider on the bump for atlanta it is david peterson on the other side for new york and the braves a pretty heavy home favorite today with strider on the mound minus 184 as it stands right now live on the FanDuel sportsbook spencer strider this year has been really good as of late four and two with a 260 era only given up one earn in his last three starts for the braves however atlanta has lost three of his last four starts david peterson also really good on the other side for new york a really heavy underdog money line price for the mets who took the opener of this series four to one also one final point here max scherzer before his return last week against cincinnati off the il his first start in about seven weeks was 60 to one to win the national league cy young after a great first start against the reds striking out 11 cincy batters in only 79 pitches he went from 60 to 1 in the NL Cy Young odds to 45 to 1. After another fantastic outing yesterday in a huge spot against Atlanta, Scherzer is now 36 to 1. So the odds continue to shrink on that price for Max Scherzer in the NL Cy Young. Sandy Alcantara is now an odds on favorite, just rare, uh, just small in a small matter at minus 110, just barely for Sandy, but still. Something to keep an eye on as we look at that individual awards race. We'll come back and go around Major League Baseball with the Diamond Dash up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Diamond Dash going all around Major League Baseball, recapping a rather short Monday MLB slate, but we do that now on a Tuesday, live on the morning after on SportsGrid. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday morning. We just recapped a great divisional series, a big July series between the Mets and the Braves. We also focus on a National League East team against an NL Central team yesterday under the arch in St. Louis in a great pitching matchup in that one as well it was Aaron Nola for the Phils and Miles Michaelis for the St. Louis Cardinals Michaelis getting the better of Nola yesterday and the Cardinals getting the better of the Phils for a second straight game to end out this four game set 
winning the finale yesterday in St. Louis. The Redbirds did 6-1. to one. So they take the final two games of this four-game series against the Phillies. St. Louis needs to start generating some of that positive momentum as we enter the All-Star break, which comes up this weekend. The Cardinals still, though, have lost eight of their last 12 games. But Michaelis on the bump yesterday, seven and a third, only one earned on six hits against the Phillies, striking out five. Aaron Nola, who has been great entering yesterday's start, not all that fantastic in St. Louis. Seven innings on the bump, five earned, striking out seven. Philly, by the way, under now in nine straight games. So St. Louis takes the final two to split this four-game set against Philadelphia. It is interesting Comparing these two teams now, not only in this four-game series, not because they have spent two of the last three series facing off against each other, but where they both stand in the race for a National League wildcard spot. Because as of right now, St. Louis and Philadelphia tied for that sixth and final NL wildcard spot in very similar odds for that NL pennant race as well. St. Louis, 15-1, to 1, the sixth best odds for the National League pennant. Right now, Philadelphia is 16 to 1, the seventh best odds. And as I said, they are technically tied for that last and final spot in the NL wildcard at this moment. The Braves, the top team in the wildcard race, followed by the Padres. And then there's St. Louis and Philadelphia with a very similar record at this point. So a matchup that was big in this four-game set against each other. And I know what you might be thinking as well. Again, we're still relatively early on. A lot of baseball to be played the rest of this summer into the early fall where the wild card race will start to shake itself out as well as those races for a divisional crown. But it is never too early to look at how things set up in the league standings and what it might mean for your favorite ball club or your least favorite baseball team. At the All-Star break, as the FanDuel Sportsbook did last year, I expect we'll get some renewed odds, both from a win total perspective relative to what we saw in the first half and some make playoff odds once again. We'll screenshot those. We'll take them down. The all-star break will give us a chance to reset and look at how things stand across Major League Baseball. Speaking of the all-star break, Albert Pujols will play in his final all-star game coming up next Tuesday, a week from tonight, in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. And the machine will be in the home run derby where Pete Alonso also announced he will be a member of looking for his third title in the home run derby. We'll have odds up there for next Monday night's festivities. It will be a ton of fun. Let's go around from the National League Central now to where things stand in the American League Central. A big divisional matchup here as we get ready for the all-star break as well. The White Sox need something to go right. It did not in the opener last night in Cleveland against the Guardians. The Guardians winning the first game of this series against the Southsiders by a final score of 8-4. to four. Cleveland, also struggling as of late, had lost seven of their last eight entering this series, but the Guardians jumping on Lance Lynn for five runs in the bottom of the first inning and never looked back. The White Sox made it close about midway through that game. It was 5-4 to four before Cleveland added on some insurance, holding on for that 8 for victory the White Sox now including yesterday's game against the Guardians have played eight straight games against divisional foes out of the American League Central the Twins the Tigers and now the Guardians they'll get going with a double header today obviously not in all that long in Cleveland as well and the White Sox in this eight game stretch against AL Central foes have lost now five 
of those eight. They sit five and a half games back in the American League Central behind Minnesota for that top spot. The Twins also holding a four-game advantage over the Guardians. So Minnesota is an odds-on favorite to win the American League Central, minus 130. The White Sox, though, still the second-best odds despite sitting in third place in those divisional standings. The White Sox plus 175 in front of that price on Cleveland as well. What is really interesting here is the White Sox still get the benefit of the doubt from an odds perspective in the futures market, despite the fact they are five and a half games back of Minnesota in the divisional standings and three games below 500 at 41 and 44 straight up this year. Again, a reminder, Chicago has been a tremendous disappointment in the first half of this Major League Baseball season. The White Sox entering the season were minus 210 as a heavy odds-on favorite to win this AL Central, where it didn't seem like there would be all that much competition from the other teams in this division. It was the best odds of any team to win any division in the American League. Now they're plus 175, and it's the Twins as the odds-on favorite at minus 130. And it's not just in this divisional odds board. It's also in the race for the American League pennant. Chicago's not even a postseason team at the moment. Well on the outside, looking in even for that sixth and final AL wildcard spot. Yet Chicago has the sixth best odds currently to win the AL pennant at 16 to 1. Baseball at times, because of how large the sample size is, how many games we have to play in a Major League Baseball regular season, they are slow to update the odds. They are slow to completely knock a team based on preseason power ratings. When will that start to change for Chicago? Will it be following the All-Star break if the White Sox continue to struggle after the break? Maybe so, but right now they still get some love because if on the other edge of that conversation... They can start to turn things around following the All-Star break as they continue to get healthier and they can build up some momentum into the second half of the season if the White Sox can scratch their way into the postseason. That's 16-1 to price on one of the most talented rosters we assume in the American League maybe makes some sense. Let's go through a couple of the games today on the Major League Baseball slate, including the Yankees at home up in the Bronx with Garrett Cole on the bump taking on one of the worst teams in baseball in the Cincinnati Reds. And unsurprisingly, Cole and the Yanks booked as a minus 330 favorite right now against Cincinnati. But it also gives us a time to talk about the American League MVP race that grows shorter and shorter by the day. The distinction between Aaron Judge, who remains the favorite to win the AL MVP, and Shohei Otani is now only 30 cents on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Plus 125, that price on Aaron Judge. Plus 155, the number on Shohei Otani. The Angels also at home in Anaheim. Plus 106 as the Moneyline underdogs against the Houston Astros, a minus 124 favorite. That Moneyline doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Luis Garcia has been sensational this year for the Strohs. Seems like a discounted number just because of the public price of facing the Halos. But the Angels now are 11 games below 500. There is a meme circulating out there, a tweet that has become a meme of Shohei Otani and Mike Trout continuing to perform and the Angels continue to lose baseball games. It is a sad reality with what Anaheim has this year. Yes, I call them Anaheim at times because Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are starting in the All-Star game. Shohei might be the starter for the American League on the bump, especially given the game in 
LA. Yet, they are 11 games below 500, so far back in the American League West standings. And as it pertains to the wild card at the moment, the Angels are seven games behind both the Mariners and the Blue Jays, who are tied for that sixth and final spot. In fact, I believe the Angels have the fourth worst record in the American League where things stand at this moment. So yeah, not great for the Angels, despite the fact that Shohei Otani is only 30 cents behind Aaron Judge in that American League MVP race. Plenty to bring you about the NBA summer, both summer league and the offseason. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A tangy Tuesday to go around the NBA summer months right now on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Normally, a tangy Tuesday is with Kevin Walsh. He'll be back on the show another time, but it still remains tangy with one of the hosts of Betting Above the Rim each and every Saturday right here on SportsGrid. It is our producer here in the mornings as well. John Shames joins us now from the producer's pit because Shamesy guy, we got to go through what is happening this summer, both NBA Summer League. Paolo Bancaro, the number one overall pick, is now done for the summer. And the rumors that continue to circulate around the association without a whole lot that's actually really being said. That's why we need your expertise. That we've seen, and there's been quite a few of those. So happy to dive into it all with you, Ben. Load management in the summer. We'll get to that in just a couple of moments. But there was a ton of reporting yesterday as well, Shames, from ESPN's NBA insider, Brian Windhorse. However, like most of the reporting since Kevin Durant requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, a lot has been said with very little of actual substantial progress. Windhorse reporting yesterday, the Nets' asking price for Kevin Durant has been a little bit too high for his market value. The Nets not receiving what they would expect in return for KD. That's why he has not been traded at this moment. And we haven't heard a lot of actual trade reports in terms of getting the return for Kevin Durant. James, what do you make of this all? I know you and JY were discussing it on Saturday on betting above yep. the rim. When do you think we might see KD traded from the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know, Ben. I'm, I'm actually getting a little skeptical that there's going to be a deal that even happens during this off season. I think we might see a situation now where we're going into the season and maybe against the deadline here if the Nets really do want to make a move. I think it's a classic situation of a team valuing their asset, which is one of the top five assets in the NBA right now in Kevin Durant and one of the best players sure. in the world. And you obviously have a high asking price for that. But teams who are buyers on Kevin Durant are saying, this guy's almost 34 years old. He's going to be 34 in a couple months. You know, he looked, he was getting banged up and banged around in this postseason against Boston. And I mean, Ben, to, to be honest with you, I have a question still if Kevin Durant is that guy that you bring to your team and you're automatically the championship favorite. I don't know if yeah. he is in that tier right now. And, I, you know, whether or not he's been in that tier for, throughout his career, that's another subject to debate. But right now, I'm not sure I put him in that category. So I understand the hesitancy of teams to say, we're not going to shell out the entire future and give up a bunch of assets for Kevin Durant, a guy that we don't know for a fact is going to give us a guaranteed championship coming in here. 
says the guy about a guaranteed championship wearing a Boston Celtics shirt currently in Boston. <laughs> now you're betting favorites on the FanDuel Sportsbook for next year's NBA championship at plus 500. But you bring up a great point, James, and we'll look at the odds and where things have settled to right now because we haven't seen a lot of actual movement in the trade marketplace, which has mean the odds reflecting that because one wrinkle in this entire idea, after Kevin Durant requested a trade from Brooklyn, now nearly two weeks ago, right afterward, the reporting was KD listed the Phoenix Suns as his preferred trade destination. And one of those pieces we all assume was the young big man in DeAndre Ayton, the number one overall pick from back a couple of years ago and maybe a sign-in trade. Well, Wendy reporting yet again yesterday that the Indiana Pacers and the Phoenix Suns are very close to a deal, a sign-in trade that would send Ayton from the <laughs> desert to Indianapolis because the Pacers have the cap space to offer DeAndre Ayton that super max contract, contract that Phoenix has refused to offer him at this point. As you can see there in the quote from that tweet, maybe something was happening soon as of today. That was yesterday. Still no sign and trade of this moment. James, if Ayton goes to Indy to play for the Indiana Pacers, I don't think Kevin Durant then makes his way to Phoenix. No, I think those things are certainly connected. And uh, yeah, that would that was kind of what the Suns were waiting on for the past couple of weeks and kind of this limbo that we've been waiting in as the Phoenix Suns have been the team that have really been most connected to Kevin Durant, of course, DeAndre Ayton at the center of all of that. We knew that there was only a handful of teams that had the cap space to sign DeAndre Ayton outright as a restricted free agent. But the Indiana Pacers were one of those teams, and now it is getting some legs there. Yeah, I think, Ben, if, if we see DeAndre Ayton go to the Indiana Pacers, I don't think Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. I think I feel pretty no. confident in saying that. And I will add as well that I really do like the potential fit there with DeAndre in, in or I'm sorry, with uh, with DeAndre in, in, in uh, Indiana playing alongside Tyrese oh. Halliburton, you know, Miles Turner potentially going back to Phoenix as well if they make that a sign and trade. So there is some some things, some storylines I'm looking at with a potential move here that has my eyebrows raised. But yeah, I think we if we see DeAndre in go to the Indiana Pacers, Kevin Durant will not be a member of the Phoenix Suns this offseason. Just think about it from a practical standpoint. The logistics of that trade, Phoenix would not have enough to offer the Brooklyn Nets. Mikhail Bridges and a bunch of future picks. Probably not that market value Brooklyn is hoping to yeah. receive for Kevin Durant. And if you include Devin Booker, then Kevin Durant doesn't want to go to Phoenix because he wants to play alongside D-Book. And James, you brought up a great point when you discuss Kevin Durant. Is he enough to move the market just in his own person to become a betting favorite for whatever team he joins? Well, after he requested the trade and he listed Phoenix as his preferred trade destination, the Suns did become the favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook for next year's NBA championship. Plus 550 was that number at its peak. Now Phoenix has moved back by a dollar in this odds marketplace to plus 650, the third best price behind Shames' Boston Celtics at 5-1 to one, and the Bucks at plus 550. So Shames, as we mm. often say, all the reporting or lack thereof always follows the odds movement or vice versa. We're seeing that now for next year's NBA title. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at these prices, Ben. The Suns, I mean, especially with this new story coming out about DeAndre, that right. is a little bit of a too high price for me. Ben, you got to think about it. The Suns, I don't think they keep Aiton regardless, right? Like, I think we're all kind of assuming he's either going to Brooklyn, he's maybe signing outright with Indiana. I think Detroit might have 
the space to sign him outright as well as one or two other teams maybe. But I don't think we, we've seen that relationship now frayed beyond the point of repair to me. So the yep. Suns price there at plus 650, it's like if you're not getting Kevin Durant, who are you getting that's going to inspire me that you're better and, and you should be booked as a, a better favorite than the, the defending Western Conference champions in the Golden State Warriors? Ben, I'm a little shaky on that Suns price. I would not bet the Suns right now. I don't think there's really any value there. And I think, James, that Suns price is still baked in with the idea that that is still KD's preferred trade destination. If Kevin Durant does not go to Phoenix and DeAndre Ayton makes his way out, that price is going to be plus 950, 10 to 1 by the time we get to next year's NBA season. So that brings us to the Eastern Conference now because there's a hope for Brooklyn, at least according to the odds. If a deal is not done this summer, if Kevin Durant and maybe even Kyrie Irving are members of the Brooklyn Nets by the time we get to the start of this upcoming 2022-23 NBA season. Because after the trade request, Brooklyn moved all the way back from plus 650 or whatever it was at the time. I think it's actually plus 340 to 17 to 1. Now they're back up to 14 to 1, tied for the fifth best odds in the East alongside the Raptors. Quickly here, Shames. If Kevin Durant doesn't go to Phoenix and he still processes that trade request, where does KD end up? Look at that third team on the list there, Ben. That is the team that always is connected to these big stars, the Miami Heat and Pat Riley. Mm. He is just an absolute mastermind. And just when you think that the Miami Heat are not able to acquire another star, logistically, they find a way to do it. So KD actually listed Miami as one of his preferred destinations yep. as well. I would not be surprised if we see him you know, going down there. I'm not exactly sure what a trade would look like for that. I think Tyler Hero would be involved. You know, Bam out of bio, again, it's kind of the Devin Booker situation here where I think KD and Bam would want to be playing together. I'm not sure KD would want to go to Miami without Bam out of bio down there, but that would obviously make the, the trade package more even. So it's kind of this dance that you're going to be playing with all of these teams, Ben, and that's kind of the, the conundrum that we're in with this Kevin Durant situation yeah. is what team is going to give up enough to make the Nets happy but also not give up you know, too much to the point where there's still a legit title contender? I think Miami it's fits a- that bill. Yeah, it's a really, really good point because there needs to be enough in return for Kevin Durant, but there also needs to be enough remaining that KD still wants to play there if they do honor that trade request. So the market is cooled on Kevin Durant. His situation obviously tied to that of Kyrie Irving where the market has certainly cooled and there only seems to be one team that has any remote interest in Kyrie for next year outside of Brooklyn, and that would be the LA Lakers where their odds, Shames, have also gotten better in both the Western Conference, now plus 650, the fourth best price, and in the NBA championship market, now at 12 to 1 for the Lakers. It is the sixth best price on the board. That would say to me, the FanDuel Sportsbook expects Kyrie Irving to potentially be a Laker by the start of next season. I think that could be the case, or it could also be the case that the public very much expects Kyrie to be a Laker and have just bet up the Lakers significantly over the past few weeks. Like, the Lakers, when you look at the top five, I think they're the, they have the fifth best odds right now, I want to say, to win the NBA title, Ben. Ridiculous to me. For a team that did not make the playoffs and has maybe marginally improved their roster at best, yes, you might be looking at a Kyrie Irving deal here. Again, Kyrie, not sure he's a player that you bring him into town and you're like, okay, the Lakers are automatically coming out of the Western Conference yep. here. I am shaky on that. I'm staying well, well away from the Lakers. I don't even care if Kyrie is there. I'm not paying that plus 650 price for no. the 12-1 to number to win the NBA championship. Quickly here, Paolo Bancaro, your betting favorite 
to the NBA Rookie of the Year, plus 360. Oh. Shut down from Summer League. The Mad Dude, kept seeing all they want to see. Load management in the summer for a 19-year-old. We'll continue that conversation another time. <laughs> James the guy, as always, thank you. Back to the diamond. Arm Layton joins the show up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. One week from tonight in Major League Baseball, it is the All-Star Game at Dodgers Stadium in Los Angeles. So only one week remaining ahead of the All-Star break. Time to dive into the bigs. And we do that now here live on the morning after on this Tuesday with Arm Layton, one of the founders of Just Baseball Media, the Just Baseball Show, one of the best and most insightful pieces that you could find covering all of MLB. Arm Layton joins the show right now. Only a couple days, Arm, until... The official first half of this Major League Baseball season comes to an end. What will you remember most? Oh, man, I, I think the chaos. It, it, it's amazing because we were talking about it before we started recording. And uh, it seemed like teams that that we thought might have been doomed have a second life, like the Seattle Mariners. And then you think teams that never had a shot, like the Baltimore Orioles, are winning games. And uh, we anointed the Mets divisional champions. And now the Braves look like they might sneak by and, and steal it back. It, it just seems like there's a lot of parity in the league. And. I'm really excited for the second act. It is going to be an incredible second half. The Mariners have won eight straight games. The Orioles have won eight straight games. And in the American League East tonight, a divisional matchup in Tampa Bay, featuring the return of one Chris Sale for the Boston Red Sox, making his season debut after four minor league rehab starts. And the Red Sox, a road favorite tonight at minus 120 in Tampa against Corey Kluber in the Rays. Aram, how do you evaluate this first start of the year for Chris Sale tonight? You know, it's tough because even in his rehab starts, the velo was there. You know, he looked like Chris Sale, which was the most important thing. You know, you're not playing the results uh, in a rehab start. But at the end of the day, he was very rusty. And and, I mean, he walked Mm -hmm. five guys in his last outing. In triple, we saw how frustrated he was. Uh, so did yep. the uh, AAA clubhouse area over there. Uh, I think he sent them a new TV. Uh, but, you know, I, I think so. there's going to be some rust. There's going to be some rust. And Corey Kluber's been throwing pretty well. The Rays look to be you know, coming alive a little bit. I think you're just looking at the velo. You're looking at the overall command. And you can't play the results, which is tough in a big divisional matchup here between the Rays and the Red Sox with the, with the Rays kind of showing some life. The Red Sox right now, Arm, have the third best record overall in the American League, despite the fact they trail the Yankees by 14 games within their own division. How important is it for Boston to have their ace and Chris Sale back for the second half? Oh, I I mean, it's vital. What the Red Sox are doing right now, despite their pitching situation, is pretty amazing. I mean, they called up Brian Bayo, and he's one of their top prospects. I was hoping he could come in and help them, and unfortunately... Two rough outings was against the Rays both times, but you know maybe maybe they jumped the gun a little bit there. I'm glad they gave it a shot, but then you have Michael Walker on the shelf. Uh, Nick Pavetta has hit this wall uh, that I don't really know where it came from because we were really singing the praises for him. So you know they've come down to earth a little bit on the pitching side, but continue to find ways to win ball games. You can only outlast that for so long. 
Getting Chris Sale right. back is going to be huge for them. Nate Yavaldi, not far behind. It's going to be a, a, a real battle between the rest of the teams in the division. You know, I think it's going to be really hard to catch the Yankees all the way at the top. But you got the Blue Jays who are faltering, the Rays who kind of seem to be starting to put it back together, and you assume they're going to go make some moves. And then the Red Sox who are really heating up despite some struggles on the mound. I mean, it's going to be really close between those three teams. And, I mean, the Orioles aren't even that far behind either. You can make an argument that all five teams from the American League East right now might be in postseason position, even Baltimore. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the Red Sox now are on the fourth best price to win the American League pennant. The Blue Jays, the third best number. Everybody, though, looking up at the Yankees, who are the favorites, and the Astros. A clear distinction between the top two, it feels right now, in the AL from the rest of the group. Out of the rest, the field, if you will, Aram, who presents the best level of competition for the Yankees and or the Astros? Yeah, so I was going to say the Astros definitely for the Yankees because I think you could make the case that that those two teams should be neck and neck in terms of, of the odds. So I like the value there, but it, it's really going to be deadline dependent because I want to see which team really steps up and makes a big deal. The, the Blue Jays, they need pitching really badly. We know that that offense is really good, but you know, with, with their pitching the way it is right now, I'm not that scared of them in, in a playoff series, especially. And they need to probably show some willingness to go and make a big trade. I don't know if they're going to do it. The Red Sox, they were just there. I, I think that it's crazy to say the Red Sox who started shaky look like maybe the best bet to, you know, try to dethrone one of those two teams at the top. I think they're going to be aggressive. They're getting healthy. The offense is insane. Uh, even little like little additions like Jaron Duran, who seems to have figured it out in AAA, coming back now, balancing out that lineup. I, I love everything I'm seeing there. I like the offense top to bottom. And if they can piece together the pitching, make a move or two at the deadline, get somebody for first base, maybe Josh Bell, who I would love to see them get, they'll be in good shape. I think the Red Sox are probably the biggest threat right now. When there's only a 55-cent split between the price on the Yankees of the favorites at plus 165 and the Strohs at plus 220, that means there are tons of value on other teams in the American League because once you get to the postseason, and that's a postseason price, of course, for the American League pennant, anything can happen in October baseball. Not only is the all-star break on the horizon, so is that trade deadline. And Arm, a team we expected to certainly be sellers at this point of the year, the Baltimore Orioles. However, the O's are just one game below 500, 43 and 44 straight up. Baltimore has won eight straight games. They are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and they're a road underdog today as they bring that eight-game win streak to Wrigley Field in Chicago at plus 104. But let's focus on Baltimore big picture here, Aram. They were expected to be big sellers at this point. What do you think the Orioles will do now as we approach, approach the trade deadline? Well, you know, I, th I think the, the trade market for a few reasons is getting thinner. And one of those big reasons is the fact that the Orioles are, are competing. And look, I don't think they're in the business of, of trading for a rental, right? They're not trading for Andrew Benatendi. They're not trading for a rental pitcher or Josh Bell uh, because that doesn't make sense for them. At the end of the day, probably not competing for a World Series this year. But at the same time, Trey Mantini can't be going outward. Anthony Santander may not be going out because... They have a shot, and, and I think that sends a really bad message to a fan base that's been very patient through the rebuilding years and, and really deserve this fun team that has put it together because they've called up the top prospects in baseball. They've had guys like Austin Hayes make a leap. Cedric Mullins has gotten hot. Uh, the, the rest of the team is just playing really well, and they've pieced together the pitching. The bullpen is sneaky good. 
I, I think they're going to be calculated buyers, meaning if they go out and get somebody, it's going to be a guy with multiple years of control. John Morosi highlighted Pablo Lopez as an option if the Marlins look to go that route. That's a starting pitcher who helps them now, but also is under control for several years. Those are the kind of moves I could see them make. Uh, it'll be a, a blockbusterish trade because you got to give up a lot to get players with control. But I think that's what we're going to see from the Orioles is, is somewhat calculated buying. The Orioles are only two games out of the American League wild card right now. Let that sink in for a moment. We're <laughs> past the midway point in terms of games in this regular season, and the O's are only two games out from the American League wild card race. Arm Layton joining us here on the morning after, one of the co-founders of Just Baseball Media, breaking things down in all of MLB. So Arm, you mentioned some of the surprising storylines of this first half, the Baltimore Orioles, the Mariners starting to figure it out as well. And at the end of May, Atlanta was 10 and a half games back of the New York Mets in the National League East. As of yesterday's opener in the second series of the year between these two clubs, the Atlanta Braves were only a game and a half behind New York, but Scherzer goes on bump. He is sensational once again. Edwin Diaz gets his 19th save of the year, and the Mets now hold a two-and-a-half game lead in the National League East standings. What stood out to you most about game number one of this ginormous July series between Atlanta and New York? How good both of these teams are. I, I mean, but you highlighted, if the Mets are doing what the Mets were built to do, which was, you know, have Scherzer and have DeGrom and have those guys shoving and kick it right to the bullpen and one of the best closers in the game. I mean, you're looking at Edwin Diaz striking out more than half of the batters he's facing right now. It is outrageous. Ridiculous. They're going to be really tough to beat. And the offense, I mean, even good pitchers like Max Fried, they can grind you out. I mean, that's what the Mets were built to do. But here's the thing about the Braves is the next two games – I think that it might lean in their favor. Spencer Strider's been unbelievable, yep. and that's a guy that could shove. And, and I don't think you're going to hold the Braves to one run, you know, multiple games in a row. And that's the thing is it's just going to be such a fun series if we get a playoff series between these two teams. And uh, that's what really stands out to me is just both these teams are built so well. Both these teams are probably gauging how they stack up right now and getting ready yeah. for the deadline. Uh, but you can't sleep on these Atlanta Braves. I know the Mets are probably one of the best teams on paper, but the Braves are one of the most balanced and, and just well-rounded teams, both uh, on the offensive and pitching and bullpen side of things. Uh, both teams, just, just a really well-done job of, of roster construction going into this year, and I'm sure neither are done. So if this was just the second series of the year between the Braves and the Mets, that means there's a ton in store for the second half of the Major League Baseball season. As Gary Cohen said on the broadcast yesterday, the Mets play the Braves in 20% of the remaining games of this MLB campaign. So, Aram, how do you see the rest of the National League East race playing out? I mean, I really think it's a two-horse race between the Braves you know, and, and the Mets. And I think it's really going to be dependent on Jacob deGrom. Uh, and I know that's not you know, earth-shattering analysis there, but... You know, with the way that the Braves are pitching, with what the Braves are getting from Michael Harris, uh, a rookie that has just been phenomenal on both sides of the ball, one of the best defenders in center field in all of baseball by almost any metric, and then also just 835 OPS and just playing good all-around ball. I, it, what they're getting on the mound from guys like Max Fried, Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton looks to be back to Charlie Morton. It's going to be tough. The Mets are going to need to be 100% healthy, and I think they're going to need to go get one more bat. The thing is, is the Mets can go get anybody they want. We know that they have yep. endless money, and we know that they actually have some some prospect capital as well. They're going to be aggressive, 
it's going to be really fun to watch. And I think both teams are going to pressure each other at the deadline. It's going to be interesting to see who kind of puts all the chips and pushes them forward on the table. Uh, but it's going to be really a battle of pitching ultimately, I think. The Mets, the second best odds in the National League pennant right now, plus 370. The Braves, the third. The morning after. The Baltimore Orioles. Yes, the Baltimore Orioles are one of the hottest teams in all of Major League Baseball. The O's have won eight straight games. Booked as an underdog in four of these eight consecutive wins. They have the best run line record in all of the Major Leagues at 55 and 32. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one the morning after live here on this Tuesday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. The home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Tons of Major League Baseball in this opening hour. Tons of NBA conversation in these summer months as well. And to round out our number one, we dive into college football. It's how we'll start off our number two as well on the other side for some CFB focus between the Big Ten and the SEC. And as it stands right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the three best odds to win next year's national championship, all hailing from either the SEC, two teams, and Alabama and Georgia, who faced off last year in the national title game and won from the Big Ten Conference, that being the Ohio State Buckeyes. There is a market that we discussed yesterday on the show that I wanted to ask you about now. So let's find out what you think and fade the public. And this was that marketplace, the big three right now. Alabama is the betting favorite to win the national championship at plus 180. Ohio State, the second best price now at plus 300. And Georgia, plus 350. But if you combine all three of those, one of those three teams has to win the national championship against the field. Who would you take in that match bet available on the FanDuel Sportsbook for a college football playoff national championship? Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State versus the entire rest of the field in the country in college football. And the public going with one of those big three, Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State, which honestly makes sense as it lines up with the odds as well. That option in this match bet available on FanDuel is the heavily juiced side. Minus 340 for either Bama, UGA, or the Buckeyes of the Ohio State. The field is plus 270. That should tell you all you need to know about chalk in college football. We'll continue the conversation up for hour number two on the other side of the break here on the morning after on Sports Grid. But it all follows a Sports Grid news update from Alex Fasano. Stay right here on the grid. <laughs> 